Slick V on the track. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. I gotta see my doctor. God is calling me. me What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, it's week five. This seems a lot more normal this week. There's no teams starting their first game except for Houston. Still hasn't played a game yet for Houston. Um, but it seems normal. We're in the swing of things. We're making more picks. You're killing me as far as overall picks go so far. Not so, surprising. I mean, 2020, things are different. So, <laughs> so, But we do have yet another guest picker on with us today to make some picks this week for week five. Daniel, introduce our guest picker. Yeah, so this week we have um, one of my good friends from high school and um, just lifelong buddy. Um, his name's Ryan McManus. <clears throat> and if you need your stumps ground, you go to him. But other than that, I mean, he knows his Georgia football. And it's a big week for Georgia, but, you know, we dabble in the rest of it. So, uh, welcome, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Excited to have you on. Guys, thank you so much for having me this week. I, I really appreciate it. Daniel, it feels like we've been talking sports since as long as I can remember. Um, so, this is something I've, I've really been looking forward to. So, thank you, guys. Let's, let's get started. Let's do it. Well, as always, we start with we're picking seven games this week. But, Daniel, start us off. What's a game that we're not picking this week? But you got your eyes on. You're excited to watch on Saturday. Well, after their performance this past week, I definitely want to watch South Carolina. I'm just kidding. I want to watch Florida, but I want to watch the Florida and South Carolina game. Florida hmm. uh, definitely came to play, especially offensively, actually exclusively offensively, came to play and just dominated Ole Miss on that side of the ball. Um, South Carolina hit their strides and pieces against uh, Tennessee. So it's another one of those just calibration games. You know, is this if, – if they do it two weeks in a row, is Florida kind of who we expected after that first game? Or, you know, Florida kind of, you know, regresses back to the, the median, you know, the mean of what the, what, what the average is really – what they really are. Um, are they going to kind of play down to South Carolina? Is there a potential letdown perhaps? Um, it's an 18-point line. So I'm keeping my eyes on that game. I don't think it's going to be that different. I definitely think Florida's better. I don't want people to get it twisted. But I'm interested to watch that game just straight up because I think um, I think South Carolina is heartbroken of their loss, and I think they're going to come out swinging. It's a noon kick. Noon kicks in the SEC, I feel like, are just weird. So I'd like to see it. Ryan? Um, for me, it's, it's definitely going to be LSU after they're, you know, Pretty tough loss last week and seeing what they did last year with Joe Burrow. You can't help but have your eyes on them. And let's not forget about how close Vanderbilt, you know, played that game against Texas A&M last week. This, this should be a really fun matchup, and I don't think it's going to be quite the blowout that everybody thinks, but something to keep our eyes on. I like it. That was – I had two in case you stole mine. That was one of them. Uh, yeah, I want to watch that one. The other one, you might look at and be like, Really? But Kansas State, Texas Tech, all right, these are two teams that preseason, I slid on like the same tier. Like this is kind of the same kind of team, except one's more defensive, one's more offensive. So Texas Tech coming off of a heartbreaking loss where they should have beaten Texas in like a high, high scoring game. And Kansas State coming off of an upset of Oklahoma. So both teams just came off of big games and they both showed up really well. And kind of who's going to be ahead of the other one in the Big 12? 
So I'm excited to watch that one, 3.30 on FS1. But we got seven more games to talk about and talk about more in depth and make some picks on against the spread. And let's start with a, with a noon kick on Fox. We got Texas, who I just talked about, coming off of a, a big comeback. I'm not going to say a big win because I think everybody left that game scratching their heads saying, <laughs> okay, who's good in the Big 12? Baylor, maybe. Like, they showed up well. But Texas is taking on a TCU team, a rival. Daniel, lead us off. Texas is a 13-point favorite. Yeah, I um... – first glance at this was like, whoa, you know, I took the points against Texas last week for that, you know, reason, just because of the shootout capability, shootout potential. Um, TCU really showed me a lot in in their game versus Iowa State. Um, Max Dugan, um, you know, he originally was going to be ineligible for the season due to his heart condition, but was actually cleared um, the week of the game. So that's you know, great for them, but they still rolled out Matthew Downing, um, former walk-on over here at Georgia. Uh, they started him. He played well, but they played both of them. They both got about 20 passes in. Um, Dugan, though, I mean, he was a starter last year. He's uh, their second leading rusher last year. He came, he came in. He just he looked like he was more comfortable. Uh, three touchdowns, 241 passing yards. You know, that is a close loss to Iowa State so that's you know something somewhat of an emotional game to lose a close one like that Texas you know that was you know if you're looking at hey Texas Tech play Houston Baptist close and so we should kill them and then oh no we're down to them what 15 points with five minutes left or three minutes yeah so something like that is insane and then you know, while the score was crazy, like the offensive production wasn't out of this world, you know, it was like 400 yards ish per team. So um, I don't really know how to go with it, but my gut is just like Texas had a wake up call against TCU. And this was something where, or against TCU, against Texas Tech. And that was something where they said, hey, you know, we were supposed to blow this team out. We know Tom Herman as a favorite, how he kind of you know, doesn't cover. Um, and so that, that, that keeps me with TCU, but I'm taking Texas to lay the points. Um, I do think that just because not that their backs against the wall, but I think that they know the perceptions out there about the big 12. And I think they know that it all could have been gone if they had lost that game last week. And so they're going to come out focused this week. So I do expect Texas to cover the 13. Laying the 13 at home for Daniel Ryan. Yeah, well, you know, Big 12 football can be really frustrating to watch. Like you talked about, Daniel, Texas last week trailing by 15 with three minutes to go. I mean, Sam Ellinger is doing what he's supposed to do to start the season, 70% passing, you know, 100 rush yards through the first two games. I know one of those was against UTEP, but good experienced quarterbacks, they do that against those teams. Um, Believe it or not, I'm actually going to say that the difference in this game is actually going to be on the ground. And that crazy win last week that they shouldn't have had to be a crazy win. Um, they did at least have 200 rushing yards on on the ground. And if you look, you know, TCU's defense gave up more than 200 and that lost to, that close loss to Iowa State. I think uh, Gary Patterson will write the ship later on in the season, but I'm not seeing it coming this week. I'll pick 
Texas to win in a shootout, 49-35. And cover. Right. And cover. 49-35. And cover. Score two. So, I mean. That feels good. That, that if you're not with me, <laughs> then you're my enemy. So, I'll be the one on an island here. Let me throw out some stats. I love me some stats. So too much if you ask me, but go ahead. I know. So, since 2017, when Tom Herman came to Texas, and I should have pulled this out last week, and I mentioned it last week, and then I picked him anyway, because I'm like, I'm not going to let my eyes play tricks on me. And they did, and you were right. And it was just college ball chaos. But as, a, as an underdog, Tom Herman is 12-5 and five against the spread. Ridiculous, right? As a favorite, he's 12-13. and 13. So, right, you know, just polar opposite. You know, he's not, you know, he's right there at 500, not great as a favorite. In the playoff era, TCU's 5-1 and one against Texas with a two-year win streak. The one win coming actually in 2017 in Herman's first year. So they've lost two straight to TCU. And in those games, Texas is only averaging 14 points a game. Gary Patterson's a defensive mastermind, and he's got Texas's number. And so because of that, I think Texas wins. I'm with you, Daniel, on last week's a wake-up call. But TCU prioritizes this game. This game means a lot more to them than it does to Texas. Like, TCU's dominated this rivalry in the last six years. They're averaging 35 points a game. So they're not only beating Texas, they're blowing them out when they do. Last year, as a huge underdog, won by double digits. So Max Duggan being back, I think, helps. Um, yeah, Gary Patterson, I think, has Texas's number in this rivalry game. So – I'll take Texas to win, TCU to cover. I like Texas to win like 35-24-ish um, and pull away late. But I'll take TCU to cover the spread. I'll take the points. Until they play Zach Evans, I'm not picking TCU again, all right? Dude, they did. But they, they played two other freshman running backs who had more carries than him. He didn't get any carry, or at least there wasn't any in the box score. That oh, really? Bit. So, I don't know. That's a, but I had a t- Maybe he was just on fr- the field. Maybe. Yeah, two other freshman backs got carries, which makes no sense to me when you've got that kind of talent. Maybe they're just showing him what's what, and then this year they unleash him. I don't know. We'll see. Well, we got a great game. I say sneaky good game. I don't think it's that sneaky unless maybe to the average fan, sneaky game. But SMU and Memphis. Memphis is ranked 25th in the AP poll. SMU a a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Daniel, I mean, I can assume you're taking your ponies. Yeah, well, when you're Maybe. when you we're finally talking about the best team in the state of Texas, so that's the SMU Mustangs. Um, and really, this is I mean, yes, I'm I'm taking them, and it's not just ceremonially. Um, I was I was looking more into this, but you know, Memphis looked you know solid in their win against Arkansas State, especially considering what has happened since then with Arkansas State, them going on to beat Kansas State, and then Kansas State beating Oklahoma. So it's basically like Memphis beat Oklahoma. I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, that that win looks better and better, but they haven't played in a month. You know, this is – their only game they've played was on September 5th. So, you know, for me, is there going to be rust – is there going to be rest? You know, is this good for them? Is this bad for them? There's some questions I have, but, you know, SMU's played three games and they, their freshman running back, Ulysses Bentley. I mean, what an awesome name for a running back, especially at SMU. Um, 
if he played there in the 80s, I'm sure they would have bought him a Bentley. But he's ran for 380 yards on <clears throat> 36 carries. Um, that's 10 and a half yards a carry. So, that's I mean, nuts. yeah, he's, he's, he's lost his ever-loving mind. Seven touchdowns in those three games. But here's the thing. TJ Daniel, their backup, he's more of the, I guess, workhorse grinded out for the yardage. I mean, he's averaging five yards a carry. He's got just south of 300 yards on 59 carries and a touchdown. So the running game for SMU is where I'm leaning. Yeah, Shane Bouchelle's a senior. He's played well. Um, you know, his favorite target in the red zone, Reggie Robertson Jr., is also a senior. He's got three touchdowns. You know, I expect them to have a good game. Now, you know, Memphis had that good game to start. Um, had some good production from quarterback and tight end, that kind of thing. I just – I think if Memphis had played two games, I'd be a little more leaning Memphis. But because they've played the one, I think that's kind of where I'm hanging my hat on this one. SMU's had at least it. two of them were more like tune-up games and then one was, you know, an actual tough game. But, yeah, I just think SMU's more battle-tested at this point. And that, you're going to kind of see that this year. There's going to be some weird games where a team's played one game versus a team has played three, four. So, Taking the ponies plus the points at home. Ryan? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this game too. I mean, with Memphis, you've got a team that was 12-2 and two last year coming off uh, a, a tough loss to a top-10 Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. And, um, yeah, I mean, I know it was several weeks ago the win against Arkansas State, and it was probably a little closer than you like, but – you can't help but feel that when you got a third-year starter and senior uh, <clears throat> Brady White completing over 70% of his passes, I, and like Daniel mentioned, having a big tight end uh, in Sean Dykes with already two touchdowns on the year. I, I mean, I like having a big guy like that across the middle. I think experience will, will, will show in this game, and they'll be able to get the passing game on. The big question was going to be their running game. Star running back Kenneth Gainwell with the opt-out. But you saw last week with Clark, he stepped right in, 20 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. If you can get that kind of production again out of him, um, I, I could see a, a similar score and a similar output. Don't get me wrong, SMU, they've shown they can score points. Like you said, Shane Bussell, he's got 800 yards and seven TDs on the year. Um, but I really see a shootout from two teams that had defenses that averaged points in the – in the twenties last year, I'll, I'll take Memphis 45, 38. Uh, they're going to cover. Taking Memphis. So I like you mentioned Memphis's running game. I, I rewatched the Memphis Arkansas state game. And that's what really stuck out because Brady white is a great quarterback. When they're running the ball super well, the art, they're lethal with the RPO. Like it, it opens receivers wide open. So Memphis is clicking on offense, but here's, here's what I have like really playing in this game. Memphis's first game was September 5th, right? It's, it's October 3rd will be Saturday when they play this game. Memphis has been off for almost a month. How do you play a game, miss a month of football, and then get ready to play another game versus a team who's played three weeks in a row and rolled three weeks in a row? So I'm taking SMU plus the points. And, like, and that, that's one of the biggest reasons why is momentum. SMU has lost six straight to Memphis. And it hasn't been close until last year. Average score of those six games, 51 to 21 in Memphis's favor. Last year, they lose, SMU loses by six. That was the big college, day, college game day game where 
They went to Memphis for the first time. So great game last year. Two high-powered offenses. I'm with you, Ryan. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I'll take SMU plus the points. If you break these teams down, I mean, yards per play, SMU is averaging 7.6 yards per play. Memphis is averaging 6.4. On third down, Memphis is a little bit better. In the red zone, Memphis is a little bit better. Um, but defensively, SMU is holding opponents to 40% on third down. And then in the red zone, they're scoring 80% of the time versus Memphis is 70% of the time. It's a really evenly matched game. Two great quarterbacks in Shane Bouchelle and Brady White. I'll take the coaching experience with Sonny Dykes versus uh, Memphis's first-year head coach after losing Norvell in a really close game. And I like SMU's run game. Daniel, you mentioned it. They're averaging 271 rushing guards a game right now. So a home team with points and a close game, I like it. I like SMU. So the ponies, pony up. <laughs> uh, next game, we go to the ACC. We've got Boston College, who's 2-0, which is crazy because I think we predicted them to go 1-10. So, already 2-0, double right. their win. Uh, hosting the number 12 North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Boston College. Daniel. So, similar to the game we just talked about, North Carolina has had a game canceled and a quote-unquote bye week. So, they've only played the one game against Syracuse, which was on September 12th. So, not quite a month ago, but three weeks ago. So, that's something that, for me, is going to factor in um, into this. Um, 13 and a half points, I mean, that's a lot. Uh, Boston College, you know, they've played the past couple weeks. An impressive game. Honestly, the Duke win was impressive to me. Um, I definitely – that was a game that I'd picked Duke to win outright. And I didn't really have a lot to hang my hat on with Boston College, and they kind of dominated and controlled that whole game. So, you know, that really, you know, stuck out to me. Uh, Jerkovic at quarterback, he's been serviceable. Um, and that's honestly a compliment at Boston College. Like, you know, there's been some duds in the past. So having a guy who is competent and can, you know, not lose you a game and maybe, hey, we need to go score here. He can go take you down and score. Being 2-0, I think it's great for their psyche and all of that. But North Carolina, I think, got the jitters of being a favorite out in the first half or first three quarters of the Syracuse game. And I think that they were ready to run rup shot through – Charlotte, I guess, is the game that got canceled. Um, Sam Howell is one of these guys that he's just a, a competitor, and I think he just is itching to play. So, you know, where he may have made some mistakes before, I think he's going to kind of correct some of those. So I'm actually taking Carolina to lay the points. I like them um, in uh, somewhat of a like a 30-something to – like something in the teens, that's kind of where I'm feeling this game. So when I started thinking more like that, you know, it's like, what's the final score going to be? I really could see like, you know, a 35 to 14 kind of game, 35, 13, that. And so when I started thinking more like that, the line didn't look so big. So I'm, I'm feeling Carolina. I'm laying those 13 and a half points. Ryan? Uh, yeah, I'm with you, Daniel. You know, with North Carolina and they're, you know, it took a while to get going, but it was a pretty big victory over Syracuse. Um, 
you, you like what you have in Sam Howell. You, you, like, you like what he does on the field. You'd like him to not maybe turn the ball over quite as much as he did in that game. But I, I, w- I would think that that experience goes a long way in this game. Um, the problem I have with Boston College is, is that even in their, you know, big win over Duke and, and the close game over t- Texas State, the running game, has, it hasn't shown anything. And if you did watch the game against North Carolina and Syracuse, you saw that their defense, it, sh- it shut them down for four of 19 on, on third downs. And when you, when you can't, you know, get it done on first and second down with, with short intermediate or, or running the ball, um, North Carolina will, will be able to tee off a little bit and come after Jerkovic. Um, I do think it's, it's not as high scoring of a game. I, I think it's a little bit closer than that. I, I see Sam Howell doing something similar, having a big day, but probably throwing a late pick and it stays close. I, I would take North Carolina 27-17. I don't think they cover. Taking Boston College. All right. Taking BC to cover. So, Daniel, you mentioned – a point that I wrote down, which is the same thing with Memphis and SMU, where, yeah, Carolina's had three weeks off. So Boston College goes in with momentum. They're 2-0. Great start for Jeff Halfley. Like I said, I already doubled the wins I thought they'd get okay. this year. So uh, they're already the first overachieving, games, right? They're already, yeah, already overachieving. So I like the momentum they bring in. Uh, Carolina beat Syracuse three weeks ago, 31-6 to on September 12th. You know, Boston College carrying momentum, but – Here's why I like Carolina to cover, and I'm going to take Carolina to cover, is, like, if you watch that North Carolina game against Syracuse, it played out a lot like their games played out last year, which is didn't have a great second quarter, okay third quarter, unbelievable fourth quarter. So, um, I mean, it was 10-6 at the end of the third against Syracuse, and then they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter and went 31-6. to Looks like a blowout at the end. And I expect this game to go similar. So last year, Carolina's average fourth quarter score was 13 to 2. They outscored their opponents 13 to 2. So I expect this to go this way. I expect Carolina to win probably somewhere like 38 17, where they win by 21, but maybe they score 14 of those points in the fourth quarter. So I think the Boston College keeps it close. For, they may not even have a halftime lead at home, and like everyone's like, oh my gosh, what happened to North Carolina? And then Carolina comes out the second half and pulls away, blows them out. So I'll take Carolina to cover the point spread against Boston College on the road. And that brings us to an important game. Three thirty on CBS. The number two Alabama Crimson Tide hosting the number 13 Texas A&M Aggies. And for a top 15 matchup, this is a pretty big point spread at 17 points. Daniel. Yeah, so this game, I mean, Alabama-Texas A&M, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how it's the SEC game of the week. I think that, you know, CBS really likes Jimbo Fisher for some reason. Um, Yeah, they're both ranked, and I guess Alabama has a chance of playing a close game with Texas A&M. But, man, Bama was super efficient in that first game against Missouri. Missouri with like the late cover because Bama put in some backups and really went vanilla and really tried not to show anything else to anybody else. So, you know, I think they've kind of picked up where they left off. Um, A&M will be, you know, they'll be kind of getting cute with some stuff, I believe. I think they're going to try to, uh, you know, manufacture some points and some excitement early. 
you might see a flea flicker. You might see a couple of end of rounds or a reverse, you know, wide receiver pass to the quarterback or something stupid. They're going to do a bunch, something like that. Alabama is going to be ready for it, and either it's going to be a turnover or a major loss. And I just don't think that they're going to recover. I think they're going to have to kind of play behind the sticks and try to go for it on fourth downs. And I think Alabama is going to do their classic thing of just suffocating and like field position. And then, oh yeah, on top of that, they have maybe the best offense in the nation when they want to, you know, Um, I just don't see it being close. Uh, So the 17 points, I mean, I'd probably lay 24. I I think Alabama rolls big in this game. So it's kind of a principal play. So Bama laying the 17, don't overthink it. Later points. Ryan? Yeah, you know, the names on paper look great. Alabama, A&M, Saban, Jimbo. But A&M lost two receivers to the draft in the offseason, and now they've had an injury, and they've also also had an opt-out. And that really showed up last week in, in their passing game. Um, Kellamon did nobody any favors with his three fumbles. You'd like to think it won't be quite that bad, and, and hopefully they'll get a little bit more going with the offense. But you're also talking about going up against an Alabama defense. And, and like Daniel said, last week that game was over so early that it was just dink and dunk, and that's, that's why the score was a lot closer than it, it, the game really was. I mean, Mac Jones, 250 yards, two touchdowns. Najee with 100 yards and, and three touchdowns. Um, the one thing to look for is their defense did give up 19 out of 25 through the air last week. Like I said, a lot of it in garbage time and, and, and late, you know, conservative play calling situations. But maybe, maybe, just maybe Mon can find a way to dink and dunk his way around the field and, and, and shorten the game clock and, and keep it a little bit closer. I don't see it happening. I think it's going to be, you know, the same thing we see out of Alabama every year. They're going to get up early. Um, but the same thing as last week. I don't think they want to show too much this early in the season. I'll take them barely covering 35 to 17. You'll know what this means. All aboard! Oh, we are going all aboard the Crimson Tide. Yeah, did anyone watch that Vandy Texas A&M game? No. Of course I mean, not. Yeah. But you saw the final score. Yeah. The, the final score – like, you didn't have to watch the game. Look at the final score. That's what happened. There's no, like, hey, but this. No, no, no. That's what happened. Kellen Mana started three games against Alabama. Those scores were 2017, 27 to 19, 2018, 45 to 23. And last year, 47 28. They've been blowouts. This offense has almost all the pieces from last year, minus a couple receivers. And they struggled against Vanderbilt. And now you've got Alabama's defense, which is going to be really improved from last year, partly because of the offense isn't going to be scoring as much. And then you've got some players who didn't play last year return from injury like Dylan Moses. So, I mean, Alabama, you already mentioned it, but their start against Mizzou, both teams punted their first drive. After that, it was just Alabama touchdown, Missouri turnover on downs. Alabama touchdown, Missouri punt. <laughs> Alabama touchdown, Missouri punt. Alabama touchdown. Missouri field goal, and it's 28-3 to at the end of the first quarter. Game's over. I mean, game is over at the end of the first quarter. Alabama's going to come out and dominate. If A&M starts slow, it's going to be ugly. 
because of how quick Alabama has like started last week and how quick they can capitalize against this A&M defense. I like the matchup of Bama's receivers against A&M's DBs a lot. So, yeah, I'm with you, Daniel. I'd lay this probably up to 24. I think it's going to be like a 45-17. Like, if Bama wants to put it on them, they're going to put it on them this week. They might have let the gas off from a zoo, but this might be a chance to get some style points this week against A&M. And Saban versus his assistants will grow to – is it 20-0 uh, and 0 now? I believe that's the – or Something his like assistants that. versus him are 0-20. and 20. He's, They're 0-19 right now, I think. So this will be his win number 20 against his assistants. So um, – Well, we will yeah. – we'll stay in the SEC. This is a really good game. This might be my second favorite game of the week this week. Kentucky and Ole Miss – Kentucky's at home hosting the Rebels. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites. Daniel, where are you going with this one? Well, I'll start by saying I don't know where to go with this one to start with. This one (laughs) is like both teams lost and kind of different fashions. Kentucky looked like they're on their way to controlling the game and then couldn't quite get a hold of it, you know, and then Auburn just more talented and outlasted them and then – Ole Miss came out firing and really didn't get stopped on offense. It didn't seem like, you know, they they played a great game offensively. Yeah, they scored some late points to make it look a little bit better. But, you know, defensively, I have a lot of questions. Um, I think talent-wise, if you're just lining these two teams up, I think Kentucky is more talented. Um, I don't think it's by much. I think that Kentucky's also better coached and they're a healthier program. So that's kind of where my mindset is. Ole Miss, I think if these two teams played at the end of the season, you know, and Ole Miss had the the season to kind of play out, I think this is a game that Ole Miss could win. You know, when I saw the line come out at six and a half, Vegas knows something. So the fact that they're putting it at a touchdown makes me feel a little bit better about my pick. I am taking Kentucky to lay the points. Um, I think Kentucky is just going to be so focused this week and it's more like their practice is just going to be super, you know, uh, pointed at what they're going to do. Stoops is great at preparing his guys. Um, you know, they're used to this situation. They're used to being beaten by a team that's more talented than them and then going and beating a peer. And I would consider Ole Miss a peer. So um, even more of a lesser peer, I think that they should control this game. Um and, you know, shout out to Joe Gatewood. He's eligible for this game. I don't know what that means for Kentucky. Maybe a red zone package for him. I don't know. I mean, that's what Auburn did a little bit last year with him. So He's got to be better than Terry Wilson. <laughs> He's got to be. Right? Try it, you know. <laughs> All right, laying the points with Kentucky at home. Ryan. Not so fast, Daniel. He's <laughs> um. <laughs> been waiting to say that. No, I've, I have. I've been holding that one in for a while now. Um, no, seriously, though, I don't think you could be, you know, more excited to see two winless teams. Um, yes. Last week, Corral, you know, he was he was throwing the ball all over the yard, and it, it was fun to watch. You know, old Miss is going to score. Um, Kentucky made me a little bit nervous with their defense, giving up 230-something yards and, and, and a couple touchdowns or three touchdowns to Bo Nix last week. Um, and, and I'll always have – a problem trusting a Terry Wilson passing game. Um, I, it's not their strength. 
But you know, you know what Kentucky's going to try and do. They're going to try and run. They're going to try and dominate the clock. They're going to try and limit their turnovers. And um, I think that will will work as far as keeping the score out of, you know, what the Ole Miss-Florida game was last week. Um, but I could also see that leading to them, you know, spending a lot of time getting a field goal and, and not a touchdown. And like I said, Ole, Ole Miss is going to score. Um, their defense made Kyle Trask look like Joe Burrow last weekend. So that's not encouraging. But I'm, I'm going to go with a shocker here, and I'm actually – I'm going to take Ole Miss to win this game outright. I, I think Lane Kiffin gets a, a statement win for Ole Miss or, you know, a, a good win. Maybe not a statement win, but let everybody know that Ole At Miss At this is, point, it's a statement. You're right. You know, like, I, I, I think they've got the offense to do it. I think, you know, when you have a quarterback that can play as well as, as Corral has shown that he can play when he's healthy um, – I'm going to take Ole Miss to win this game outright and win 31 to 30 and uh, come come from behind late touchdown to seal the deal. I like it. I knew it. I knowed I made a good choice. <laughs> you know what that's from? I don't think so. that's from Cars. That's Cars. Yeah, it's Mater. Yes, Mater. <laughs> I still haven't Dude, seen you, Cars. You look, oh my gosh! All right, first of all, we got to watch Cars. It's at, Cars One is really good. Beside the point, though. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Ole Miss, but this was, like, really difficult for me. So, I, I wrote down a lot that I'm going to try to go through quickly. <laughs> but, all right, first of all, Daniel, I'm with you. The six-and-a-half-point thing scares me because, like, what what does Vegas know that I don't? Because if I'm setting this line, I would think, like, two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half is, like, your money line right here. So, both teams yeah. last week lose. They're both 0-1. But kind of in opposite fashions. Kentucky lost in, like, this defensive battle game that Auburn kind of broke open later in the game. And Ole Miss lost in shootout fashion against Florida. So, let's, let's bring up the stats. Yards per play, obviously Ole Miss dominating. But opponent yards per play, Kentucky dominating. Uh, third down, both are at 64% for third down uh, percentage. Opponent third down percentage, Kentucky is holding their opponent to 40. Ole Miss gave it 60% to Florida last week. Mm. red zone percentage. Kentucky only scored 33% of the time in the red zone last week, but Ole Miss only scored 50% of the time in the red zone last week. Uh, opponent red zone percentage, Ole Miss let Florida score every time they were in the red zone last week in Kentucky. Uh, Hill, Auburn only 75%. Turnovers, like margin-wise, Ole Miss and Florida both had one turnover last week, whereas Kentucky had three turnovers last week to Auburn zero. So I could see that being a problem. Here's the thing. I – Kentucky, that game was a lot closer than the scoreboard said. And, I mean, they outgained Auburn. They had more first downs than Auburn. They dominated time possession. They dominated rushing yards. But what that tells me is what you said, Ryan. Like, they're going to – their game is to slow this game down and limit Ole Miss's possessions because especially after watching them last week, I'd be worried about the Ole Miss offense. And I want to give them as little possessions as possible because Kiffin's a great, great play caller. And, obviously, they have good skill players that they showed last week with Elijah Moore and Matt Corral, and if they get John Reese Plumley involved, I mean, Ely, great running backs. I mean, they, they've got great skill players in offense. And so, I'm Kentucky. I'm limiting their possessions. I'm having long drives. Terry Wilson is not a downfield passer. Like, let's dominate the run game. Let's play a little bit of old school football. So, I like Kentucky to win. Um, I, I do like the coaching matchup of, like, Mark Stoops, who is the experienced, like, like you said, Daniel, wins these kind of games, beat your peers, even in close matchups. But six and a half just seems too much to me. So I'll take Ole Miss to cover, not to win, but 
The six and a half does scare me because I imagine this game was, like I said, like three and a half would have been the line that right. I'd have a hard time picking. A six and a half, it seemed too obvious, but I mean, Kentucky might just blow them out after, after the Auburn game. So we'll see. <laughs> well, the funny thing about this game is I feel like the most watchable, interesting player in this game is a backup. You mentioned John, John Reese Pumley, and it's like, the two most intriguing storylines is backup for, you know, Kentucky and backup for Ole Miss. Like, I want to see Joe Gatewood play because he didn't get extensive action at Auburn. We know what Terry Wilson is. So, what what is Joey Gatewood? And then, yeah, John Reese Plumley. Corral had a great game, and I'm really trying hard not to, like, lose it. But, like, John Reese Plumley was the reason I watched, you know, the wrap-up show on – SEC Network last year <laughs> he just always had these great highlights and I'm like he's got to get the ball get him the ball so until they do that take Kentucky so anyways there you go we'll go to the Big 12 Iowa State hosting Oklahoma Oklahoma coming off of an upset loss to Kansas State they are seven point favorites on the road against Iowa State Daniel where are you going with this game so obviously OU was just like embarrassed last week it's unfathomable that they can lose to Kansas State two years in a row um I guess in my head I just think of everybody as treating them like Alabama would you know after losing a game last year they're going to circle that game and then not lose that game the next year just beat the stew out of them but yeah that that was an embarrassment they're definitely going to need to redeem themselves um Iowa State had the close emotional win versus TCU. So I do think that they expend a lot of energy to try to win that game. And I, in some ways, think that might hurt them in this game where they still got the W, but they definitely they, – they had to work for it. And I, I just think Oklahoma is going to be very motivated. Um, I put in parentheses, so I put <laughs> – Oklahoma needs to in parentheses or in quotes, excuse me, I messed this up all the time. In quotes, uh, stay alive for the college football playoff. I don't think they're alive anymore because of that loss um, and just how bad it is. But I mean, if we're being real in a coronavirus year and everything's weird, one loss champion, you know, if their only shot is to win the rest of their games. So do I think that they're going to win this game? Absolutely. Winning by seven, I do have a question about that, but I'm just going to say they're going to be super motivated, and I'm just going to go ahead and take them to cover. I think they probably win by about 14 points. It's probably going to take a late touchdown to, like, ice the game because I do think Iowa State's going to be in the game and be there to play. But, yeah, Oklahoma I think is just better and super motivated. So Oklahoma minus the seven. Ryan? Yeah, this is another two teams that just really make you, you know, frustrated for Big 12 football. You talk about that loss last week. Like, it was it was 35 to 14 before that collapse. Like, this is like an Atlanta Falcons type uh, loss. You know what I mean? I hate to go there, but it, that's Dagger. that's that that shouldn't happen. Um, it's it. Spencer Rattler was throwing the ball all over the yard. It it really didn't make sense, and and you don't expect to see that from a Lincoln Riley coach team, 
but it's it's just when you when there's no defense ever to be played, just anything can happen. It was, it's what makes it so frustrating about picking these these types of teams. Same thing with Iowa State. You, you see the the close win against TCU, but I mean a loss to the Raging Cajuns and, and a convincing one to start the year. Look against TCU, Brees Hall was running all over the all over the field. Eighteen for a buck, fifty four, three touchdowns. I mean, if you've got a guy that can run the ball for nine yards a carry, then it, you can change this game. You, you can make this more of a predictable game that allows you to play. But if, if this just turns into the shootout that everybody's expecting where it's back and forth, I, I feel like Lincoln Riley is, is going to find a way to get his team a, a victory this week uh, off that embarrassing loss. They've done it before. They've had bad losses and, and rally off for, for the rest of the year. Spencer Rattler, he, he, he finds a better way to close the game this week. I have them covering, winning 45-35. So, I looked at something you mentioned, Ryan. Like, all right, what, what's Oklahoma look like after a loss? Because they've lost one game every year. And even last year, do you know who they played after they lost to Kansas State last year? Iowa State. Iowa oh. State. So, and they won that game 42-41. I expected to see an Oklahoma bounce back and blow somebody out. And then I was like, oh. And I started looking at it. They're winning these one last year, two, like 10-point games after a loss. And I was like, hmm, like under Lincoln Riley. Uh, both teams are one and one. Obviously, Iowa State had the disappointing loss to um, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. Last week, Oklahoma dominated that box score. Like, I mean, dominated the box score. And but they turned the ball over four times. That's what caused that loss was four turnovers. And one thing is not being talked about is, yes, Lincoln Riley has taken four different quarterbacks in four years and has plugged them in. But the previous three all had starting experience or some experience before getting to Oklahoma. This is his first true like. This is a redshirt freshman with no college football experience being thrown into the mix. So you can expect mistakes like that. But I'm still going to take Oklahoma to lay the point. So all aboard the Sooners for this one. Yeah, I, I just – Iowa State last week, TCU, if you look at the box score, TCU should have won that game last week, and Iowa State squeaked one out. So, I've not been impressed through two games with Iowa State. Uh, under Matt Campbell, they are one and three against Oklahoma. So, the one win coming two years ago, 38-31. I mentioned last year's 42-41. The other two games, they lost by 10. So, I do expect this game to be cl- – you know, I like the line of seven after looking more into it. I think Oklahoma wins by 10 to 14. They play Oklahoma close. So that's my only concern. But after a loss, I, th- I like the touchdown. Like, I think Oklahoma wins by at least 10 points. So, I'll lay the points with Oklahoma. And Iowa State, not the start you wanted. Matt Campbell's stock is dropping quickly. Brock Purdy's stock is dropping quickly. I already sold on mine. So, Good. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little bit bitter towards them. <laughs> but we've got, uh, we've got the game of the week. College game day going to be in Athens, Georgia, this Saturday, uh, 7.30 p.m., nighttime kick, Kirk Herb Street, Chris Fowler on the call. You got the Georgia Bulldogs hosting the Auburn Tigers in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Georgia's a seven-point favorite. Daniel, you going the Dogs or the Tigers? Or the War Eagles. I mean, I could be picking There's three teams at play. Any of the mascots that are in play. Um, well, so Georgia, I mean, all three of us know this rivalry very well. We know the history of this rivalry, um, especially the recent history of this rivalry. It's, you know, Georgia has won 12 of the last 15 meetings. 
Um, obviously, the most interesting one was in 2017 after they lost badly in the regular season, you know, and Auburn, you know, handed them their, their worst loss the past few years. Um, and then Georgia rebounds in the SEC championship. So, uh, you know, this team, I'm interested to see how this will go. Kirby versus Malzahn as head coaches. That's been an interesting play. Kirby's four and one in those meetings so far. Um, an interesting coaching matchup I'm interested to watch is Chad Morris and his offensive mind against Dan Lanning on the defense. Obviously, both of them have a head coach who coaches their side of the ball, so they don't always get credit for that, right? So, like, Gus Malzahn usually gets credit for the Auburn offense, especially when he takes it back over after saying that he's going to give the keys to whoever the OC is that year. And then Kirby is always going to get credit for the defense, but Lanning, I mean, he had a great year last year. This defense is nasty for Georgia, so I'm excited to watch that. These are two solid uh, – and I say solid because I'm including Auburn – they're a good defense, and Georgia's a great defense. They're both really, really good, though, that I expect them to be kind of a close game, battle back and forth. But, like, we're really kidding ourselves if there's any other question going into this game other than, like, who is playing quarterback for Georgia and are they rotating? Are they efficient? Like, Bennett, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett came into the game last week um, after Dewan Mathis starts and has the first six possessions and doesn't really do anything with it. Stetson Bennett comes in, goes 20 of 29, like 261 or, or 200 yards or something like this, and a couple touchdowns. His pro football focus score was actually a an 89 overall. So he had a, a good week for what he did. I don't know, you know, you and I have talked about this, Jacob. I don't know if if Stetson's the kind of guy who can go wire to wire as a starter, even in a week, like get all the reps. And, you know, there's talk coming out that Mathis got a lot of reps with the ones. Um, and then obviously there's this huge elephant in the room that J.D. Daniels got cleared this week. Now, you know, you and I are both on the same page with this, Jacob, where we said Kirby Smart doesn't just offer that information for nothing. He wants Auburn enough to prepare for every quarterback. Now, I don't really know what that means, but – you know, he's he gave that information out early in the week, and I definitely expect JT Daniels to play. I don't know if he'll start. I don't know, you know, if it's, hey, you know, Stetson starts and has a couple of drives and then bring in JT, Dewan starts and they bring him in. I don't, I don't know. But I think JT Daniels will play at some point, and I think Georgia's defense really just suffocates Auburn. And something we didn't talk about a whole lot was – Georgia's special teams play, um, they did really good kicking the ball, field position, returning the ball, um, had over 100, 140 return yards. Um, so for me, I think the defense is too good for Georgia uh, not to win. So I think Georgia wins. And I'm going to take Georgia to cover because I think that because they've had that one week of reps and kind of getting stuff out of their system, all the penalties. So 100 yards and penalties, they can clean that up. I expect Georgia to play decently on offense and it'd be enough for them to cover because their defense is just not going to give up stuff to Auburn. Ryan? Uh, well, first of all, let's just look at what both teams did a little bit last week. And 
And that's what's got me the most excited about this week's matchup. I'm really excited to see specifically Georgia's defense against Auburn's offense. And and our de- think about the defense and secondary and what they did last week against Felipe Franks. You had three picks, two from Richie, and then you had the one pick six from Eric Stokes. And then and then in response to uh, uh, Gus's coach talk, we heard it straight from Kirby's mouth that. Auburn has the best wide receivers in the conference between Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, and Eli Stone. I mean, they've got a more experienced Bo Nix. He, he had a pretty good day throwing the ball, 16 for 27, 230-something yards, and three touchdowns against Kentucky. But on the other side of that, he was also the leading rusher for the day, which is not something you'd expect to see from a, a Gus coach team. I mean, I think he led uh, the team with like 30-something yards against Kentucky. Um I really expect that UGA is that we're gonna we're gonna stop the run and, and we're gonna force Bo to have to throw the ball. And I'm really excited to see what what our secondary does against those wide receivers. With all that being said, a lot of what Daniel led to, some of the biggest storylines are things that are that are off the field. I love the Kirby Gus matchup. I feel like as a Georgia fan, that's that's one of my favorite coaching rivalries. Because you can tell there's respect for, for each other, but there is there. I mean, it is bitter and it, it is it is mean. I'm sure the recruiting trail gets nasty between these guys. Petty, I, you know, and it they man they they let it fly against each other. It's one of the few coaches that will actually get a response from Kirby because he's just not going to have it from Gus. But Gus <laughs> has never been he's not. But Gus has never been scared either to let it fly even with the record what it is. Um, and then, like Daniel said, the big elephant in the room, who's, who's going to play quarterback? Who's it going to be? I, well, it, as big of a question mark as that is, I, I think this is just one of those years where our, our defense keeps us in every game. And I, I think they lost – Auburn lost too much on the defensive front last year to, to stop the running game. It wasn't great last week against Arkansas, but I don't see a Kirby coach team, whether it's Monken, whether it's Luke – we're going to run the ball this week, and Auburn's going to feel it for four quarters. I, I picked Georgia to win. I picked them to cover in a, a bloody battle. Um, I think someone's going to get a. We're going to get a late interception that's going to lead to a field goal to make it a two-score game and ice it away in the fourth. So the score will make it look like we won by more than we did because I do think it'll be close. But I got Georgia covering and winning twenty-seven to seventeen. 27-17. I so, put 27-16 down, so we're on the same page there, Ryan. There you go. So, since Kirby Smart's arrival at UGA, Daniel, you talked about it. He's 4-1 and one against Gus Malzahn's Auburn Tigers. But y'all talked about matchups. I broke down one more matchup specifically. So, Gus Malzahn's offense versus Smart's defense. So, they average in those matchups. Since, Smart, since Smart's been at Georgia, let me specify. So, Gus Malzahn's Auburn offense versus Kirby Smart's Georgia defense. Auburn's averaging 15.6 points per game in those matchups, which is including the one outlier of that 40-point game, the 40-point game in Jordan Hare in 2017. If we take that game out, they're only averaging 9.5 points per game in the four Georgia wins. So, Georgia's, I mean, Kirby has Gus's number with that defense versus Auburn's offense. Um, now, Georgia's offense – since Kevin Steele's arrival at Auburn. Kevin Steele, I think, is one of, if not the best defensive coordinators in the SEC. And so Georgia's only averaging 21 points a game against Auburn. So I expect this game to play out exactly the way it did last year, which I'm really high on Auburn's defense. I legitimately think Auburn has the second-best defense in the SEC behind Georgia. 
and I think they're going to grow into that this year. I talked about it in the preseason, you and I did, Daniel, where Auburn's defensive strength has shifted from the front seven to the back seven, where now I think they actually match up better against some of the teams they play this year because a lot of, these, a lot of the SEC teams now are trying to pass the ball more, and Auburn's going to be able to lock that down with their defensive backs and their linebackers. And so the, the two best defenses in the SEC, a low-scoring game, Who's playing quarterback for Georgia? And I think if they're rotating, I think that limits scoring at least early. And so I think there is a plan to – like Stetson starts and gets two drives, and then Daniels is going to come in and get the next two drives. Like I think it will be planned like that, and then they'll play it by year after that. As long as there's two quarterbacks, I worry about Georgia being able to score points, especially after watching them last week. I like a low, low-scoring game. Georgia's going to win. But if I'm getting seven points, I will take Auburn to cover. I almost like it to be exactly the way it was last year. 21-14 was the score last year. I like 21 or 20-14 to 14 again. So I might get a push here. I think Georgia wins by a touchdown. So I'll take the push, and I'll take Auburn with the points. But Georgia to win. So I think we're going to walk away with more questions about Auburn and Georgia than we do answers after this game. So it's, it's just weird we're getting this game a week two. It feels so weird. It does feel weird. That's why it's been great to have this, you know, Kirby-Gus drama. Well, you know, it's just extended from every year. But the fact that, you know, Gus brings brings that up with the uh, the talent, the, Georgia's the most talented team, and then Kirby gets, you know, you get a rise out of Kirby, just like uh, <laughs> Ryan was saying. It's like Kirby's not going to let that slide. And so I just love – this is such a great rivalry. And then, you know, these coaches is a great rivalry because I mean, obviously when Kirby was at Alabama as defensive coordinator, like Malzahn didn't like him then either. So it's just, it's it's fun. This is going to be fun. And I mean, I feel like I'm still kind of sleepwalking into this Saturday with, like you said, it's like, it doesn't feel real. Like this is Georgia and Auburn week already. Um, I'm super excited, but I just keep looking at it like, wait a second, we really do play them? And, you know, what's going on? So um, playing rivalry games early in the season is just weird, you know. Like, it feels like Texas and Oklahoma, how they always play, like, what, third or fourth week of the season, the Texas State Fair. So something like that. We'll see. That's right. Well, Ryan, good luck. Are the you know the score to beat is four and three. So for your sake, I hope you go five and two. We are mm. our leader in the clubhouse. Car went four and three last week, and I have some catching up to do, Daniel. You and I picked four games together, so I hope I go seven and zero, oh and you go four and three. Um, so I can I can catch you. <laughs> but a fun Saturday ahead. Any final thoughts, boys? I mean, it it, it tells all that. Georgia and Auburn is where uh, college game day is going. So the fact that they weren't the SEC game of the week, I'm not salty about it, but maybe they're trying to save, you know, a, a Georgia game here, a Georgia game there. I don't know what CBS is thinking. But, yeah, 730, I'll be all eyes on Georgia-Auburn. Ryan? Same here. Same here. Uh, and, and thank you guys again for having me. This has been a lot of fun. It's something that obviously we've – done more than a handful of times before and after kickoff of a lot of football games but uh it's cool to get to do it in this format with you guys and you're really good at what you do and i hope the the listeners continue to enjoy it and 
y'all keep it up. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Our pleasure, man. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Extra Point Pod. We will post these picks and a graphic on there tomorrow morning. We're recording Wednesday night. So if you're listening to this, it's probably already up. But be sure to follow us on Facebook as well. There's a link on both of those pages to our Twitter accounts, to our page. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts. We're dropping two episodes a week during the football season. Plenty of college football content for you. But that'll do it for this edition of The Extra Point. He is Ryan. He is Daniel. I am Jacob. See ya.